Welcome to The Conversion Show, a podcast that's all about, you guessed it, conversions. Everything that gets you to your goal, whether that's purchase, lead capture, app install, content downloads, chat engagement, or demo requests, we're talking conversions. Hosted by Eric Christensen, CEO and co-founder of leading conversion optimization platform, Just Do Know. On The Conversion Show, Eric sits down with industry-leading marketers, e-commerce growth experts, founders, and entrepreneurs to chat all things conversion marketing. Be sure to follow The Conversion Show podcast to be notified when a new episode goes live. Like what you hear? Leave us some love with a review. And now, here's your host, Eric Christensen. All right, folks, today's a special day for The Conversion Show because... One of the top questions I get asked personally is having been in the Shopify ecosystem for 10 plus years, one of the first questions I always get asked is, hey, what's what's the trick? What's the deal with the Shopify <laughs> app store? And, you know, anyone who's in this world today is the show for you because you have combined 20, through 20, 20 years exactly of Shopify app store experience between Blair and I. In two, I just looked it up, March 2013, <laughs> Blair and I first emailed each other. And Blair, yeah. so today's show, you saw the title, you know who's on here. Blair Beckwith, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Eric. I was looking today too, and I was, I mean, I was thinking back. I think that we met in person maybe that summer in San Francisco. It was one of like my first trips as a Shopify employee, I Shopify was so small back then. I barely had budget for a hotel. Well, I remember staying in the Tenderloin and meeting up with you uh, for lunch. You had a little office, and I think I want to call like the financial district. Is that what that area was called? Yeah, we are. I mean, we moved offices every year. Yeah, for a while. Wow. And yeah, we were probably on second and mission. It was a little bit more like corporate building. It was like a little bit more modern. It was on like a non-ground floor. I remember taking an elevator. I remember walking with yeah. you to go get like sandwiches down by the water. That yeah. was really trying to impress you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was, man, it's a long, so I, long time ago. I do have to correct you uh, because you said you were, it was early days as an employee, but technically weren't you an intern? <laughs> by that point i had graduated to full-time employment status no yeah i started um, uh yeah yeah i mean we can get into all that we can get into well, all that for sure it's funny like i'm trying to remember back the earliest memory and and talking about budgets you know shopify didn't have the budget for a, a hotel for you we've always yeah. justine has always been that way yeah. at irc in chicago um you know shopify didn't have a booth for ever and same with us you know people you know people ask like oh, how'd you grow you know just you know early on it's like i would get a expo pass mm -hmm. under travis's e-com store uh social skateboarding for 75 yep. bucks and i would go yep. to every single technology partner's booth yep and meet with the bit back then it was biz dev people mm -hmm. that was the title to yep. try to get into their app stores. Yep. That was the entire game. 
that is such a that's still like the greatest hack that exists if you've got like friends or anybody who run a store that will let you buy a pass under their name for some of these events it's like hey do you want to spend 50 bucks to come as a brand or do you want to spend two grand to come uh, as a vendor it's uh still works and then you invest you uh you invest in stickers and you put the sticker over the badge so if we're talking about growth hacking <laughs> let's talk about the years of growth hacking in the shopify app store things have changed yeah it's for sure you mean growth hacking for apps like just Uno yeah in general yeah man and well it's it, obviously it's different now but you know I feel I felt so bad for you for so many for so many years because <laughs> I knew the politics you were dealing with. You know, it's like as soon as it you start hitting a certain level, it's it, it, there's this the the politics are huge. So yeah, let's go back to the days of when everyone is hounding you for <laughs> featured positioning or yeah. hey, you know, how did you how did you deal with that? <laughs> No, for sure. I mean, there's probably like a lot to unpack there. And I should probably talk to like my therapist instead of you, right? It's, uh, (laughs) it was fun. Like it was, um, there were parts of it that were fun. There were parts of it that weren't, as you say, kind of eventually, as a company grows, you end up in more of a political realm naturally. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't think politics are inherently bad. I think they're just part of part of work as a business grows but pre pre politics it was a lot of just flying by the seat of your pants and and making sort of gut instinctual decisions and i think that has probably bled into who i am today even like i often laugh when i talk to people and say like i'm not the most data driven person in the world i sort of i came up in a world of like limited data in the app store we didn't have a data analyst that was helping me make decisions. I had like access to a shared data analyst and I was the bottom priority for any reports that needed to get made because the app store didn't make any money. Right. But it was uh, when I was making decisions about who was getting featured and who wasn't and who should be in the app store and who wasn't, it was, it was a lot of like more instinctual. Okay. Do I think that this is going to be, good for brands is this going to be better than the than the solutions that already exist is this like attacking the problem in a new and novel way right i think like that's so much a part of working at a startup and shopify was a startup at the time right it's just like how do you operate in a world with limited data um because the data is so rarely there you know let's go back to 2013 you know, for for listeners that aren't aware, pull up LinkedIn, pull up Blair Beckwith. You'll <laughs> see that, you know, Shopify wasn't always what Shopify is today. And what was the environment, you know, what was the team structure? How big, do you recall how big Shopify was back in 2013? Uh, in 2013, I would guess it was probably about like 150 to 200 I joined in early, I joined in early 2012. So when I joined, they had just closed on the acquisition of an agency that was like 20 people. Uh, and that got us up to 100 people. Um, so when I joined, we were like between 80 and 100. Um, and at that point, we were like at least doubling headcount every year. 
Um, so jumping from 2012 to 2013, 200 is probably reasonable. I don't know if you can hear my cat in the background. I'm sorry about that. If that's a thing, maybe we can cut that in post, well, Kevin. I literally <laughs> just hit mute on mine because uh, I've got two dogs here and our dog walker just showed up. So it's going to get <laughs> it up. happens. It happens. Um, Anya, we may need to do a pause. No, that's all good. <laughs> that's, that's the life good. of today. Uh, it, so no, Working from home. Yeah, no. And it was, I mean, it was a massively different environment. You know, I think even like, even like how I got started at Shopify was just like a thing that wouldn't be possible in later years, right? Like I, you made a comment about me being an intern and like, yeah, I, I became an intern before there was like a formal intern program. I became an intern because I emailed Toby and said, Hey, I hate, I hate school. I want a job. Can you give me a job? I'll work for free, you know? And that was like, that worked in 2012. I don't know if that would work in like any year after that. You know, right. you know, that's something I always respected about you when I first first met you, because you, you were still in intern status, I believe. Yeah. You could be wrong. But um, I myself, I learned more in college through my internships than I did in college. Yeah. And yeah. in two, 1998, I interned at Left Field, one of the first uh, online like interactive agencies where like, yep taking hotmail banners and bringing them down to like 15k <laughs> but everyone around me was one was a history major dylan um you know eric like no, no one studied what they were doing no. in college and no. when i asked you know what should i do you know the, the advice was dude web design is the future yeah yeah um, it changes your perspective and gives you access to people at company like toby directly yeah. because hey they want to help you grow yep. too. so uh, yep. big learning lesson I think there period yeah no for sure I'm like you know I've got a I've got a two and a half year old now I've got a uh, I mean I shouldn't say this because like half my family doesn't know a lot of my friends don't know but I got another one on the way oh please, is this big announcement big announcement please hold off please hold off releasing this until like at least a week after we record so okay. I have a chance to tell people in case wow, my grandma's you, you, listening you heard it here first but yeah, we, and I mean, we I do think a gender about, reveal in our follow-up episode. I mean, I can tell you right now, it's gonna oh. be a boy. Um, <laughs> uh, as my friends call it, it's, it's like the lottery. Yeah, one and one. You yeah. know, it's uh, it is nice to get the full spectrum there. But no, anyways, like we're talking about, like you know, um, saving up for school. Like that's a thing that you do as a young parent. You put aside some money for your kids so that they can go to school and. Uh, I mean, we're putting aside money for, but I don't know what that money is going to be spent on, right? Whether that's university or like a coding boot camp, or by then, who even knows? Maybe there's going to be like prompt engineering boot camp so that she can like wrangle AI to do her bidding, right? Like, who knows? We don't know how that money is going to be spent, but I think it's almost like it's almost a certainty that it's not going to be spent on something like a traditional college or university degree you know it's uh because i do think yeah just the just the spectrum of experiences now that you can gain outside of that environment is just like so incredibly wide compared to even really just like yeah like 10 years ago when i went through yeah experiential education's invaluable yeah, yeah. Like, we're starting to see that that shift here too in terms of like vocational like yeah skill set just as shopify announced i saw good morning america they really kind of did the first interview I've watched about the, you know, no more than two people in a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. He was speaking about, look, it's all about building a company and to build it, you have to 
be building, you know, so yep. if you're building a house, you need to be putting up walls, putting in wiring. You can't be meeting half the day about doing this work. And that's where meetings kind of have gotten in the way. Yep. And yep. You know, it's an interesting time we're in right now today in, you know, what is it? August 2nd, 2023 is that we're just doing ourselves as we look at the Shopify app store and, and generating leads and, um, you know, we ourselves are have really pared down and gone back to the basics. Mm -hmm. It's been really interesting looking at our own business and top of the funnel and product led growth and what that yeah. means. And for Travis and I to still be in in the driver's seat, yeah, and actually kind of a fun six months getting back to the basics of what got us here. And so yeah, timing talking about and you know even you know our goal today is talk you know old school Shopify app store, but you know, can you just share real quickly where you are today? Because I was checking out your site and I do yeah. at some point want to talk product-led growth and freemium and pricing because that yeah. is critical to the Shopify app store. No, for sure. And like, yeah, I think we can, I think we can talk a lot about history. I think we can talk a lot about, a lot about growth in the ecosystem today. And that's sort of the lens that I have today is sort of growth in the ecosystem. Um, I mean, really short version of what I did post Shopify was like consulting and startups, right? I did like a lot of, a lot of consulting with, uh, with SaaS vendors in the space, investors in the space, and then did a couple sort of tours of duty, uh, full-time at startups. Um, today I am head of e-commerce at a company called Tidio. We are a customer experience platform for SMBs. I would guess that we have like actually like a very similar story to just Uno. um we launched in shopify around the same time maybe a year later or so i think it was like 2014 um we are cross-platform we've got an absolute like monster of a user base but we are a little bit below the radar you know like we're not necessarily focused on like the sexiest direct consumer brands out there our core is just like real meaningful businesses, no matter where they are, uh, whether that's Shopify or elsewhere. I mean, e-commerce is really big for us, but we do more than e-commerce. Um, we do like real estate agents. We do like regional telcos through Europe. We have like a huge range uh, of customers, but sort of as head of e-commerce, I focus largely on Shopify and I work across our our marketing team, our product team, our support team as like, I mean, I'm driving some initiatives forward, but I'm also just like the voice of the voice of Shopify sort of actually in a lot of these conversations and helping the, the product team kind of, <laughs> of Shopify. the voice like of Shopify. That's going to be the title. Oh no, you know, don't do that funny. to me. Well, don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, you know, it's crazy being in this ecosystem for so long is, you know, when we started, how many, how many, what, 100, 200, 300, how many were in the app store in, in 2013? In 2012, there was like 60. 60. <laughs> it was like 60. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was a very different time. What is the number now? Do we even know? I think we're up nearing 10,000, if not over 10,000. And that's after a lot of pruning, right? Like Shopify has been fairly aggressive in, in getting rid of apps oh. over the years. Can we talk? Uh, let's, let's dig into that. Cause <laughs> a spicy topic to start uh, with, you know, 
And I, I, out of respect for Blair, I held back a lot in <laughs> in reaching out. And in anyone who runs any app store, <clears throat> I feel for you. Um, but you know, us being just you know one of the first, the first you know mm-hmm. into the, the market, and watching you know a companies from you know just straight rip off our product. Yep. Which is more of the Magento world. You get a mm-hmm. lot of overseas brands. And yeah. that's why I respected we invested in a Shopify because there was that care of Blair in there to curate mm-hmm. and make sure. As well um, as I could. As well as you could. You can't <laughs> do it perfectly. No. So in my time is I think maybe two brands I've seen publicly kicked out of the app store. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got reviews just like Amazon. Mm-hmm. critical to the 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 how you get displayed yeah yeah how have Basically. you how have you seen what's the in, inside you know you what were you aware of at the time and what what did you struggle with um when it comes to sort of like the curation angle specifically yeah and well people yeah. cheating and people uh-huh. cheat, you know people you do me, you tell me Privy has that many reviews. <laughs> well, it's funny, right? There's like, uh, and I will say, I'm, you know, very good friends with some of the Privy folks. I do oh, like ben. them. Ben's awesome. Ben's awesome. There's like a whole spectrum, right? When it comes to um, cheating versus not, right? And you mentioned Privy. Like, there's no way they got all those reviews. Um, standards have changed. What is cheating and what isn't cheating is sort of increasingly less black and white. Um, if I recall correctly, Privy was one who collected a lot of reviews through like their onboarding process, right? This is like a very common thing to do at one point was like merchant installs app, help them get set up, ask them for a review, sometimes even word it in such a way that it was implied that leaving a review was part of the onboarding process and they could not proceed without leaving a review. Right. Like this was a thing that happened for a long time. Um, It's obviously like not the best user experience. I think we struggled for a long time to figure out how to make rules that were unbendable or like make rules that covered cases like that. Right. It's very easy to make a rule that says you cannot buy reviews. It gets murkier when people say, what does that mean? What does it mean I can't buy reviews? Um, That's like not as simple a question as it seems at first glance, right? There's situations that everybody would agree with. Like um, if I go on Fiverr and there's a listing that says 100 reviews for $300, that is, I think everybody agrees, buying reviews. Um, If I offer a a Starbucks... Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like if I offer a $20 Starbucks gift card to every customer that leaves a review. Is that buying a review? I think like most people would agree that that is buying a review. If I, if I say leave a review and the app store will have a link back to your store, which will give you SEO benefits. Is that buying a review? You're sort of like, you're not even offering something. You're just telling them that there's a benefit to them leaving a review. I think like that's the type of situation where you get like incredibly murky and it's like very hard to come up with rules that have very clear lines, you know? Well, and as we look at 
fast forward to present day when there's a sea of 10,000 apps and our listeners are trying to understand how do I get exposure? You know, looking at Tidio, it, it, I'm looking at your pricing page and it mm -hmm. reminds me of our, our old school model, which we're mm -hmm. doing a lot of review on right now in terms of, you know, bringing the product led growth freemium really to the forefront mm -hmm. is I view the, I always viewed our free plans mm -hmm. as a marketing play mm -hmm. because the more often than not, it's the freemium or very small SMBs that ha are going to be more willing to write a review. Yep. 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 Which no, I was still just true. Yeah, I think it's still very true. I think there's a couple of dynamics there that are relevant too, right? Like, I think you guys are similar to us. We have like a live chat widget that on our free plan says powered by Tidio. Right. And you, I assume on like pop-ups have like something similar, probably there, like powered yeah. by just, you know, um, so like free users have like an inherent benefit there. They're sort of like, they are billboards for the service, which is awesome. But then, yeah, the review side is also big. I've, we had this conversation internally just this week, right? Uh, we have like, we've been sort of taking our foot off the gas of like review acquisition efforts for a while. Uh, and now we've got some of these like smaller, yappier competitors coming up, uh, getting a lot more reviews. And so now we got to take this a bit more seriously. And that's something that we've talked about is like, what is the value of a free user? Well, if they don't leave a review, not much is the answer. Um, and we need to leave them a review. I think one of the less intuitive ways that we've shot ourselves in the foot that I think people could probably learn from is like, we do not offer live chat support to our free users. Um, because it's, that's expensive. It's, it's, it's expensive. It's, There's so many free users. They're typically the most demanding of support. Um, but how do you get world. reviews? Yeah. You provide them really good support. And so we've actually, by not offering our free users live chat support, we've actually deprived ourselves of a lot of potential reviews from those free users. And so you got to balance those two things. So the uh, Shopify reviews Slack channel here at Justino is one mm -hmm. that always gets me because I'll yep. it'll be active and then I'll pull it up and it'll be like six months since any like activity on I'm like oh like yep. you know the shop you know the Shopify app listing yeah to me is as you look at you know growth of a business yeah it is I view it as a the number one billboard mm -hmm. you know and and do you want to if you're driving down the freeway, do you want a digital dynamic billboard that's constantly yep. being updated or just the old school flat one? And more often than not, I don't, we, we are guilty of it still to this day of overlooking the value of yep. embracing that, that app listing. Yeah. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. And I mean, uh, I don't, I know that I'm not here to interview you, but I'm curious, this might help like frame the discussion a little mm -hmm. bit, like. How much of just, you know, growth comes through the app store versus like non-app store marketing efforts for you guys? What I can tell you is mm -hmm. it's dropped significantly every year for the last five years. That's the way it should be, honestly. Like, I think that's like, uh, we're similar, right? Like that's us reaching, that's us reaching maturity. I think like for a long time, it was a goal actually for companies, uh, for companies like us to actually like diversify growth away from the app store. So right? one thing I learned, you know, at crsnowboard.com 
which just blows my mind today is happening are apps that are 100% built upon Shopify. Mm -hmm. That scares the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah. Because they, Shopify owns your business at that point. When any, yeah. any vendor owns more than 70% of your business, yep. they own yep. it. Yeah, this is a conversation that, I mean, and we can just flip-flop throughout this conversation talking about back in the day versus today, right? Uh, this was a conversation that I that I used to have all the time talking to app partners. Um, I wouldn't say I was completely in line with sort of the Shopify party line on this, but I used to say to companies like Justuno, like, I actually want you to build on, a, on other platforms. Uh, I always want to be your favorite platform. I want you to prioritize building on Shopify above all else, but I want you to build on other platforms because it is not healthy for you to have 100% of your business on Shopify. That makes you like an unhealthy business. And if I want you to serve our merchants well, you need to be a healthy business. And so go and build on big commerce, go and build on Magento. At the time it was go build on Interspire, go build on Volusion, right? But it's, um, but I always want to be your favorite. Yeah, it's so amazing how Yahoo stores owned the market in 2012. Yep. And then Big Commerce was the big one coming over from Australia. Yep. Yep. I mean, so it has it has changed. You've had to diversify. Yep. It's also why you know you move upstream. Yep. Um, but also I think what we're seeing this year is an interest now that you know e-coms making has some more tailwinds it's been yeah. a year ahead wins mm -hmm. we're seeing we're seeing the smb kind of come back yeah and start, you know yeah their martech stack shrunk now they're yeah. looking to expand yeah um, you know one one question i had for you was this you know talking about the politics is you know going to unite and and all the events it, it, it was always like our yeah. partner ecosystem is critical to shopify yeah and the app store was always was the first app store to make it true one click install. Yeah. Um, Big Commerce tried to launch it and said they did, but yeah, but true wasn't a true one. It took them years and years to figure out, and that's what allowed Shopify really yeah. skyrocket. Is how the how they allowed the accessibility to all of these technologies to grow their platform. That was yeah. hands down what changed Shopify and allowed them to leapfrog everyone else i and certainly want to think so I, it, without a <laughs> doubt because you yeah. know you even see it you see people that come in they'll add multiple apps to see which one's the best yeah and yeah. that's where the again show, you know time to value is so critical yeah yeah with your app if because you have to understand put your 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 mindset in that of a retailer you're going to the app store you either a partner maybe told you about it a friend or you're just yeah. searching in the app store for a yeah. specific need that's that's the other thing understanding the user in the app store yeah. what is it like 80 yeah. percent of it is people typing in a specific use case to solve a problem oh i mean honestly yes if you wipe out the 80 percent, at least for us i'm sure you're similar actually where yeah. like there's a by far the biggest percentage is people coming to the app store and searching for Tidio or searching for just, you know, by name, these kind of like branded keywords. If you wipe out those, I imagine like somebody like your number one keyword, is like pop-up, right? Ours is live chat. Like they know exactly what they're looking for. 
And so they're presented with multiple and, and God, yeah. you know, that's when Blair gets the email from me. Hey, why is someone coming up before me when they're searching for me? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, with that, let's talk about something that's affecting companies like ours within the Shopify app ecosystem today. It's kind of a new thing. You know, recently Shopify has begun to enhance their core product offering. Uh, and in some cases, it competes directly with some of their app partners. You know, talking with other founders, um, this is creating anxiety and concern uh, for founders trying to build their company. They're, they're wondering, you know, is Shopify going to build my app next? You know, which isn't necessarily fair or the whole story, but it's this view that I talk with people that, you know, Shopify is almost cannibalizing their own app partner, you know, looking into their app store, figuring out what's successful and then building it themselves. So as a former Shopify app store manager and current app partner, what's your take? How, how would you help reduce anxiety and, and, and address this, you know, from your perspective? I think that's a relatively cynical take. Uh, <laughs> no, let's get into this because this is a fun one. And I got to be like a little bit careful with what I yeah. say, you know, because I got lots of friends there still. I don't agree with everything that Shopify does. I've been gone there from there for, for six years now, though. You know, I'm not when I have a disagreement with something that they do. I try to understand that it, that disagreement is coming from a place where I have imperfect information because I've been gone for six years, right? The world has changed. The ecosystem has changed. Um, so I'm always open to the idea that if I disagree with something, um, there's very good reasons to still do it. Um, you say cannibalize. Cannibalize is a fun word because it's a very, uh, there's, I would say, I mean, pardon to the cannibals out there, but I like, I think there's a certain negative connotation with the word cannibalize. Uh, yeah, what, what, what did I say? I, I don't even remember. Um, you said that Shopify is like increasingly cannibalizing oh. their partners, right? And I think like that's like a that's a complaint that I hear a lot. I don't think that it's. I mean, first of all, I tell people as a rule, don't worry about that. Um, when you see what Shopify has released over the years, they're releasing some really interesting products. But when they are competing with partners, they're releasing very interesting, very limited products, right? Like, even if we go all the way back to, I think, one of the first examples of this, like, it's hard to believe that there was a time when Shopify didn't have a shipping product, but there was a long time where they didn't have a shipping product. And then they released Shopify shipping, and it doesn't compete with any of the big shipping players, right? Like, it's a... It's a very simple sort of label printing operation. And sure, it's grown since then. But I think like, in my opinion, the main takeaway here is really like, if Shopify enters your space, they are going to enter your space with a solution that actually solves a big problem for you. They're going to take on a lot of these brands who you actually don't want to deal with because they're, they've got no budget for a solution. They're a big support debt. They're going to drag down your business. They might make your charts look nice because like up into the right on the install chart, but they're not actually meaningful for your business. And so Shopify is going to take those away and that might make us a little bit sad, but it's probably for the best. The other thing they're going to do is they're going to shine a big spotlight on this as like a job to be done, right? You think of like that as from like a problem standpoint, 
there's like a lot of people who are not really like aware of all of the, they're not like me and you, they're not thinking about all of the different ways to grow their business. They don't know that it's actually really easy to set up a pop-up on your store to collect email addresses. Uh, if Shopify releases a tool to do this, uh, all of a sudden, everybody who uses Shopify knows that that's a problem to be solved. And when they try Shopify's like admittedly limited solution, they're going to run into some edge case and they're going to look for a problem or look for a new solution to that problem. They're going to land on just Uno, right? I thought you said you weren't interested in politics because <laughs> that was a phenomenal answer. <laughs> uh, well, and it's true, you know, it's as true. Shopify has always put their customer, the retailer first. They've always yeah. said, how do we make it easier for our retailers to be successful? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, my comments are just what I've seen over the yeah. years, I've seen recently, yeah. it kind of pick up and it creates anxieties. Yeah. Um, and, but on the other side, you know, look at what you said is 100% true. We love that the word pop-up is understood now. Mm -hmm. When we launched just, you know, we were laughed away. Yeah. They said, why would, I don't want to do that. Why would I show that on my site? Fast yeah. forward, you know, 14 years, you know, there's still so much opportunity to improve the technology. Yeah. And so yeah. when you want, you know, that's why just like with, with your companies, it's as we move upstream, yeah, these small ones pull you down, you know, they're yeah. cost earning. So if we yeah. can allow... You know, for us, like Clavio, they've been really moving into the pop-up space. Mm -hmm. Now they're in a CRM, you know, and it's like, great. They make the word pop-up synonymous with e-commerce, yeah. e you know, yep. with websites so that you, it is 100% adopted. And then yep. let's pick up the top end and, and, yep. and milk, you know, work with that. Well, and that's another great example, right? Even like outside of Shopify of like, and I mean, I don't know this space intimately well, right? But like, I do know that like, if we look at Clavio, it's funny, just as like an aside, I don't think there's any company that has like captured a problem space as effectively as Clavio has for email marketing, right? Like Clavio and email marketing, especially among larger brands, like effectively synonymous in this ecosystem um, where Clavio is like, not as synonymous with SMS. And so there's like, Clavio has an SMS product. There's a ton of plus brands that use Clavio for email, but not SMS. Clavio pop-ups, not a good solution for those customers, right? Because they want to be able to collect SMS and they want to send those phone numbers to PostScript. They want to send those phone numbers to Attentive, wherever else. And so even there, I think it's, like you say, a really good example of like Clavio releasing pop-ups, ultimately a good thing, makes it synonymous and also still leaves like, or sorry, makes like it a ubiquitous term, like, right, this like this pop-up idea, but also leaves a ton of open space for you guys to add value. And I think that's like just super, it's super important. I don't know how much these platforms are, are thoughtfully leaving these gaps right and they're doing it to be pro partner i don't know how much that is true versus it's just like inherent to the strategy because that's the other thing that i tell companies too right is like whether you're like 5 10 15 20 100 people 
like if you can't compete with Shopify with their hundreds of priorities, there is like a hundred products being built inside Shopify every day. If Shopify was to put together a pop-up tool, they're going to throw a product manager, two engineers and and a designer at it. And like, if Justuno can't compete with that, then maybe we just pick up our ball and go home. You know, it's, um, we see this with, we see this with Tidio and Shopify Inbox, right? I love that Shopify Inbox exists. It's a great product, but we are, we are nearly 200 people at Tidio. And all we think about all day is building the best live chat and CX platform. Um, Shopify Inbox can't compete with us. They can't. Like they're a small team inside Shopify. They don't get a ton of resources. We're going to build a better product than they are. So that that gets into best of breed, yeah. which is kind of what what we internally what we made a decision yeah. a couple years ago. It's like, do we build email and SMS? Mm-hmm. You know, or yep. do we double down on yep. conversion and yep. and and innovate? Yeah. That's the other thing is that you know, as, as we grow these companies, we get caught up in operation. I mentioned 200 people, you know, there's a lot of operation yep. to be had and, you know, it's oh, yeah. product led growth again of like, are we, are we pushing the limits with technology? Yep. And, yeah. And, and it, you know, someone's starting a company right now, you advise different companies and we're hearing that it's hard. It's getting yep. a lot harder. Yep. And, and it's scary. And I think yep. that, I think it's, it is the politics. It's that communication of Clavio of Shopify yep. to say exactly what you just said a few minutes ago of like, Hey, look, this is how our view of how this in, you know, present day, how we think the healthiest way for everyone to continue yep. to be successful. Yeah. Uh, and yep. so it does bring in then the, premium model if you're in the shopify app store why why do why would someone use your premium product when the consolidation of your tech stack i mean digital marketers are managing 20 plus apps right now it's too much you know i think that's like it's like a very interesting segue from like best in breed to like that problem because i feel like it is like it is a fork in the road for companies like ours, right? Like you have to, in my opinion, do one of those two things to survive in this market today, right? Is like you need to ruthlessly focus on one thing and become the absolute best in breed solution with a few features that the customers that care about having the best in breed tool for that problem will buy, right? Um, I often say right like it's something like um take like a just Uno versus privy thing like they they can have 99 feature overlap between the two products but it's like that one percent difference that is going to make the sale for the best customers and so you need to win best of breed if you're going to go that strategy or then, consolidate well so then on the other side and this is what the market is, is you have the big players, the Clavio, the Shopify, uh, mm-hmm. HubSpot's notoriously bad for this. Mm-hmm. Of They need to show growth too. Yeah. Yep. And they need platform adoption. They need to get 
you know, clients stickier and yep. they know they can get away with plugging in an inferior product, mm-hmm. which will keep, uh, you know, keep customers on and at bay like HubSpot where we use their knowledge base and their, yeah. their live chat. And yep. honestly, I think it's trash. Yep. But it's good enough. It's good enough. And it's, it operationally, like it's getting us through. I know we're missing deals because we have an inferior live chat product. Yep. Well, you should check out Tidio, but (laughs) no joking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, no, that's definitely a thing, right? I think like the, the consolidation in the space is necessary because, and this is something that I think maybe is tough for, tough for some people to hear i hope i don't lose friends over this um everybody cares about having best in breed tools for different areas but nobody cares about having best in breed tools for everything right like i if i'm if i'm a brand there's 20 percent of the jobs to be done that i have that i want best in breed tools and my friend has 20 percent that he cares about having best in breed tools, but I bet there's like very little overlap between me and my friend. There's a ton of jobs to be done for a brand where good enough is good enough. Um, I'm trying to think of like a good example here. Like, I mean, I, I worked with a um, reviews platform for a while and that was something where like, there's a lot of brands that just don't actually care all that much about the reviews platform. And that's okay. There's companies that, are just starting out with SMS marketing. And I mean, I don't know at this point how advanced Clavio's SMS offering is. Maybe it is best in breed, but let's just assume it's not. <laughs> um, Clavio SMS, good enough. I'm not, it's not worth, each of these tools has like an added cost and it's not the financial cost, it's the cognitive load cost, right? These brands are small teams and there is like, I mean, I think it's a very common, you know, um, I don't know what the what the word is, but you have to be 10 times better to displace an existing solution. And a lot of these solutions that are best in breed, I think, frankly, are not 10 times better. And so, the good enough is good enough. And even if they are, you have to showcase that value. Yeah, you have to tell the story about it in a way that people care about, right? That's where I think like, that's where I think the, like, I've never said these words before. So this is like a very half formed thought, feel free to push back. But like, I think when people hear product led growth, they, they sort of like hear product, and then they forget about the growth. Like you can't just like build a great product. That's like, there's more to it than that. You need to like also build like a very effective story around that product. Because you need to show the value and people aren't going to dig for the value. So I heard product led growth, the term, you know, about six months ago. And, you know, I, there's terms are thrown. Yeah. There's always a turn around all the time. And I was <laughs> so focused, you know, and, yeah. and finally I was like, you know, a month ago, I, I was like, my wife mentioned to me, like, you know, it's all about PLG right now. <laughs> I'm like, I pulled it up. I'm like, oh yeah, we've been doing that for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we had a always free plan when we launched on Shopify in 2013, but what's healthy about it is it, it's all about just reinforcing and, and inspiring us to, to, to keep going and, and adapting yeah. to present day. 
Yeah. And on layered on top of that is a lot of um, like Donald Miller stuff, which is like understanding your your customer and their mm-hmm. needs. And and yeah. there's the other side of it is emotional buying. Is how is this going to help me as a professional look good mm-hmm. to my team? You know, and that's where the value comes in. You know, ROI is value, but yeah. it's like if you use this, the, the here's here's the weekly report we're going to email you of the success you've you've brought to the team by implementing this product. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so it's, funny just to hear that like um PLG is the new term and you're like, we've been doing this forever. And it's yeah, it turns out like freemium, I guess, just isn't as sexy a term anymore. So we got to rebrand freemium as PLG. You, so I love your going back to your pricing page. Um, I think our most successful time in the app stores is when we had uh, our entire platform broken into add-ons. Mm. And you have add-ons right now. Interesting. Yeah, we're thinking about this quite a bit right now because I, I mean, full disclosure, I think that our pricing is a little bit confusing and there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversations. I think the add-on model can be, can be a little bit confusing and I don't know what the best answer is, but that is, that is where we are right now. Well, with Tidio, I mean, literally your add-ons, it's, if it looks exactly like ours and the Mm -hmm. number one reason we switched off this was agencies were like, this is way too confusing for us to set up for our clients. Yeah. Yeah. But it gets, you know, it's all about breaking down your customer base and understanding you know, for us, 80% of our customers are just want to do lead capture, you know, it's seen stale list growth, like what's the next best thing I can do. Uh, And, you know, like with Photoshop, everyone uses 10, you know, a different 10% of Photoshop. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that's like, that's a very real thing for us too. And like you mentioned, sort of, you mentioned HubSpot and like the good enough problem, right? Like, we take we take a bit of inspiration from HubSpot, right? I think HubSpot has built. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, I think uh, anybody who says that they wouldn't love to have founded HubSpot and led it to whatever valuation they're at is lying, right? They're like an admirable company, but Probably I think like customers of them for like eight. Years. Yeah, yeah, I think they are the kings of good enough product, and I mean, I want to build better than good enough product, right? Like I want to build great product, but we also think that there's like, there's reason to reason to consolidate. And we, you know, we started off with live chat, then we launched ticketing. That's like a very different thing. It makes sense to do this sort of add-on model. Um, we also were like early in on like what we call chat bots. This is like a confusing thing right now because like what we call chat bots are more like sort of like a choose your own adventure through a conversation. That's what that's what chatbots used to mean. Now, of course, with AI and everything, um, the chatbot term has been sort of co-opted. And so like that makes our pricing maybe a little bit more confusing because we now have like an AI powered chatbot called Lyro that is like out there um, as a feature. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think pricing is I don't think anybody's good at pricing. I think pricing is just like so, so hard across the board. There's no. There's no good answer for model often. And then within that model, I mean, price point is then like the next decision. And I think there's like, I think if anything, most companies just don't do enough experimentation there. So my brain is just teeming with (laughs) everything you just said and and thinking back to the Shopify app store. Yeah. You know, the, what's, 
here's a hard question for you. Hit me. Is the Shopify app store dead? For <laughs> I, you know, I hear this narrative all the time. Uh, I have been known to like, you know, get into the odd Twitter spat. Uh, I maybe like, I maybe lurk Twitter too much. I maybe say the wrong things sometimes. I'm a bit of a Twitter, uh, a Twitter addict. I see this all the time. Um, I mean, short answer, no. Long answer, like, depends how lazy you are, right? Like, I think if if your goal was to build and launch a barely good enough product and then do are we allowed to swear on the show sure do fuck all to market your product and expect shopify to hand you growth on a platter then the app store died in like 2013 2014 there were people who made a lot of money by building a barely functional product releasing it doing fuck all to market it and having Shopify handle growth on a platter, that was a thing. Um, it's become less of a thing over the years. I say it ended in 2014, honestly. I think that was probably the state of things until like 2016, 2017. And then it started to drop a lot. Like things have really fallen off a cliff recently. Like if you, it's no longer a, if you build it, they will come situation. Like that, those days are so long gone. And I think, it's funny. There's a lot of things that sort of come together, I think, to create this narrative. There's like, um, I think some of the get rich quick folks sort of got their hands on Shopify as a concept a while ago, both on the brand side and the developer side, right? On the brand side that manifested as like all the drop shipping courses uh, from all these people telling brands how you or telling regular Joe's and Jane's how easy it was to make money through drop shipping on the developer side. Some of the like, and I definitely don't want to paint with any like broad, broad strokes here. Like some of the less, some of the less savory and creative aspects of like the indie builder sort of segment um, who wanted to just like spend two hours building an app and then release it and get thousands of dollars a month in revenue forever. That one still drives us nuts today is that just you know is one app yeah you get in it's a full suite of yeah. what we could break into mm -hmm. 20 50 100 yeah. different apps yeah is that still are people i mean i mean yeah. essentially what you're saying is what people need to hear is that you can't just roll out uh not better product right now and think you're gonna make money no i think that's i i think that's true and when you i don't think the one app versus many apps really has all that much to do with it i think it's more just like the quality bar is just much higher i mean i used to sell developers on the idea of building for shopify by telling them like take a few weekends crank out an app like make it super simple so your support debt's not high. You don't really need to do much marketing because we'll just like, we'll feature your app and then you'll get some reviews and then that'll get the organic flowing and you'll just, you'll be good, right? This is back in the day how we talk to developers about it. And now you see some of the like, I mean, the developers that are starting today and are, or 
I shouldn't even use the word developers. Um, the people who are building on the Shopify platform today that are seeing success are like in a couple camps. There's like uh, this guy, Gil Greenberg on Twitter, who you should check out if you care about this stuff. Um, he's like an approximately one man shop. I don't know if he's hired anybody recently, but he's building like a 100% Shopify app called Checkout Blocks. And he is just like, he is building like an impeccable product. The he is he's meeting and he's even like elevating the quality bar now, um, and he's not cranking it out over a few weekends, right? He's building this like full time job for a year um, to build like an absolutely brilliant experience that still works. The app store is not dead for him. Um, the other segment is like the whole like massively VC funded crazy product of the last few years, zero interest rate phenomenon companies that have just raised a bunch of money, have built really great teams. They're building on Shopify, but they're generally not building through the app store or not distributing as much through the app store, at least organically, because it's just a there's not that much to do in the app store as like a massively VC funded company. If you wanted to spend dollars to grow, which is what you do when you raise that much money, there's just not that many places to deploy those dollars, even with ads and everything in the app store. Now. That was, that was a really interesting update when they launched the pay to play in the app store. Yeah. Um, interesting is the word. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. <laughs> well, you know, help weed out. Yeah, you know, it's like, and we're willing to yep. to pay and invest. And now, right yep. now, we're in a beta in the beta for their their latest the homepage ads. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious to see how much those cost at the end of the beta. Yeah, too. I haven't seen a bunch of crazy results from that, but no, I think a lot of people hated on ads when they came out. But I think it's like fundamentally a good thing. Well, and they backed it up with the the 200k yeah uh, kind of give back, which yeah. But of course, Shopify Plus kind of knocked that out for us yeah. because we were then had to pay the full amount for the first 200k anyhow yeah you're like um, a, you're 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 like a plus certified yeah partner yeah yeah, yeah we were yeah. one of the we were the, the the first 10 nice um what's so cool about shopify is their ability to embrace partners like ours to do beta programs yeah you know yeah. and and i think you know i think what what's really needed is and what we're kind of doing today is taking an assessment of where we are today. You know, mm -hmm. what has the app store evolved to? What yeah. are the positives? How do we continue to be successful? And you mentioned Gil and checkout blocks, you know, that is true product-led growth where he's building something that he's probably mm -hmm. listening directly to other retailers to figure out what yeah. problem they have yeah. that they need a spec like specific focused fix yeah. and solution. Yeah. Secondary thing though that alarms are, you know, the updates to Shopify checkout. Yep. And then locking that down. Yep. You know, how does that affect them? And also the the risk. And this just goes into the communication. I think maybe, maybe, you know, Shopify could work on is, you know, don't be, you know, there's a lot of risk to founding a company. Yeah. And there's big, there's more fear today to start because to invest resources because of a competition b the market and, yep. and consolidation of, of technologies mm -hmm. spending but c whether or not you're 
your partner is going to build, become a frenemy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of risk right now. Yeah, for sure. Right. I think you can generally like lump that under like what, what the cool kids these days call platform risk. Right. And it's a, I don't mean to diminish it as a factor. I think it is something that everybody should think about, but I think you are, you are far more likely to die because you didn't grow <laughs> than you are to die because Shopify killed your business. And I think like, that's where I think like anybody that started a business on Shopify selling to Shopify brands, like through the app store over the last like 10, 12 years has like, I mean, I, I threw this example out on Twitter last week or something. It was, um, oh, what was it? I'm sorry, Shopify. I have to interrupt you. It's X. Sorry, X. Hi, <laughs> got me. Um, no, there was a there was a Shopify. Pro oh, it was Shopify's native product bundling that got announced last week, and I just used that as an example of tweeting out like. Um, I literally 10 years ago, people would ask me, I want to build a product bundling app for Shopify, but I'm worried that Shopify is going to build it. Um, and I would say, don't worry about that right now. The people who took that advice had 10, 11 years to make massive amounts of money selling their app on Shopify. Some of them did like Bold, for example, everybody knows Bold. One of their first apps was a bundling app. Uh, I don't know the numbers, but I expect that app has made millions of dollars over the past 10 or 11 years. Those apps are still not dead because you can compete with Shopify on stuff like this. But even if they were dead, um, you just had 10 or 11 years to make a ton of money through selling your app. I think, I think those people did okay by not worrying too much about platform risk and not using platform risk as an excuse to not build. Well, you know, you have to be empathetic to Shopify as well, in a sense. You know, we mentioned when we first met, it was Yahoo shopping owned the market. You yep. know, Magento was the had the biggest floor space at yep. IRC. It's like Shopify has to evolve yep. to hold their position. That's, and I think, that's something that I think people don't think through properly before they criticize Shopify with some of the things that Shopify gets criticized for, especially by partners these days. Um, you know, you hear a lot of, you hear a lot of people, I mean, I'm sure you feel this way often, like Shopify is not the partner they used to be. Um, I don't get any sort of personal attention from Shopify anymore. Um, I think that people don't think far enough down the chain of like what that criticism means or what the alternative to that criticism is like Shopify has 10,000 partners. Now it is literally impossible for Shopify to pay personal attention to every one of those partners. It cannot be done. The extent of the personal attention would be you asking for something and them saying no, <laughs> uh, which is not like the basis of a healthy relationship. And and so, yeah, I do think like, uh, it's hard to say that, oh, this like uh, one $200 billion company, whatever it is now deserves our empathy. And it's not necessarily that they deserve empathy. I think it's more just like, this is the natural way of things. It is unavoidable. They are really big now and it's not 2013 anymore. 
<laughs> unfortunately, as much as I wish it could be right. Like I remember partners having babies and them texting me pictures of their babies, right? That was sick. I loved having those relationships, but it was a relationship between like two little startups. The, um, you know how we know it's not 2013 and something that I love yeah. is that Shopify is talking about conversions. <laughs> yeah, it's been really funny to see how Shopify has like started to change their language and how they talk. And uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I laugh a little bit when you get McKinsey or whoever to look at your checkout and say it's the best. It's really easy to sit here and like sit here and laugh. But no, it's like they're playing a different game now than they were. But, you know, and going back to me as a partner, I'm thrilled by it. Yeah. Because they're helping educate yep. their retailers of how important conversion is, which yep. for us, you know, we've been doing do you know trying to shout the top of the yep. roof about it and no one cares yeah you know yep. finally people are starting to take a look and it's going to yep. take um the vision of shopify to to educate these retailers so yep. it's only going to help our business if people actually are focusing on it yeah yeah i think that is the i think that is the healthy the healthy approach i think like it's another, it's another sort of, um, it's another asterisk on is the app store dead question, right? Like the Shopify app store will not die if you are willing to like adapt to the changing relationship you have with Shopify, the changing dynamics of the Shopify ecosystem. Um, if you can sort of just not expect the world to stay the same around you, then I think it will like always continue to be It'll continue to be the best place to distribute your tech for the same. I mean, you sort of alluded to this earlier, right? Like, because Shopify has always done what is best for their customers, for the merchants, right? Like, that's like, I mean, not always, but in the context of like this conversation and like product and technology, they have always, I think we can confidently say done the best or done what they thought was the best and that's what keeps the app store even if those decisions might like hurt an individual partner's scenario like situation or experience it is like still ultimately beneficial because it helps the platform grow it puts the merchants there it gets them to the app store to look for the solutions that we're selling the what pops in my head is shopify plus which mm -hmm. i thought it was the greatest move open up their code base because you know our experience as retailers why we sh we we shifted off of this counterpoint software is because if we wanted a change to our product page it took three yep. weeks to get a quote the quote yep. was 10 times what it should be and it was gonna be three months of time yep. we're like, can we just have access to the code base they're like no it touches all these other stores you can't yeah and that plus you know allow them to listen to their customers and, and adapt. And that's another game changer for their, yep. their company. Well, and like if there was an agency involved in the mix on the other platform where these changes couldn't be made and when they could be made, they were super expensive. I bet that agency would be really pissed, right? If the ground shifted under them and stopped them from being able to charge a bunch of money. But it was, it was like the pro merchant decision. And it worked out better for everybody, so even if it was short-term painful. Early, we, we, you know, Justino got early into the the 
Shopify app store first yep. 50 and yep. whatever it was first into Shopify plus mm -hmm. where is the present day first <laughs> I I I hate you for asking this question because like I don't I don't know that there is an answer I would rather give than what is now the super cliche answer, which is like the AI stuff feels really huge. Um, Toby did a partner AMA yesterday and I sort of, uh, I asked, I asked in that uh, about sidekick, which they just announced, which is their like, which is their AI powered assistant inside the Shopify admin. And I just sort of like highlighted to him, like, huh, sounds a little bit like something you used to have called Kit <laughs> that some of us remember from back in the day. Yeah. And one of the coolest things about Kit was that like it could not only sort of have have an understanding of what was going on inside of an app, but also be able to like take actions inside of that app. On that and note, I, have with Mike Perry, have you tried Maple yet with your... I have and based on like the state of for example my kitchen I should probably try it again <laughs> I haven't tried we, it yet he posted that he's looking for some users to beta test something so I think I need yeah to we could use some organizational help for sure you just mentioned Toby's uh what, what was that session I need uh that was that was on Twitter spaces uh it was yesterday that would have been August 1st if you go back and look through his tweets anybody who's I listening gotta get him, on I gotta maybe get on Eric X. yeah sorry X yeah X X spaces it almost sounds uh 18 plus um <laughs> you know the mentioning that you know that they've changed they've done a lot of updates you know headless we won't even go into no oh please uh, you know, I think building deeper into the the actual interface, you mm -hmm. know, pulling it, you know, getting built into Shopify itself, the admin yep. seems to be. Well, and that's something that from what I understand, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything in here that hasn't been announced yet that I probably shouldn't talk about. Um there's things that were certainly announced, like um, there's like new abilities to embed inside the Shopify admin. I forget what the feature is called, but you can now like, you can appear not only just as like an embedded app, but you can like add UI controls into various areas of the Shopify admin in a really interesting way. It's honestly like not too dissimilar from something we had ages ago that I think it was called app links or something. But um, yeah, there's like, there's recently been new, new ways, like recently, like in Shopify editions this past week, um, new ways to embed yourself further into the Shopify experience. And I think that is really interesting from like a, uh, if anybody's been following like uh, the built with built for Shopify program, where you have to meet certain, certain additional requirements to get a little badge and be eligible for different promotional opportunities and stuff. Um, I think that has interesting implications for that. Um, I think that's another really good example of like why, you know, is the app store dead is a bad question, right? It's, it's like a horrible question. I'm such a bad interview. It's more, where is it? No, going? it's what is today. How do you be successful today? 
Yeah, no, it's actually a good question from like interview sandbox. I think it's like a very good conversation. I think it's a bad question to be asking like on Twitter from a position of I'm mad and sad that this isn't easy anymore, right? Uh, I think it's a whiny question from a lot of people. I don't think it's a whiny question from you. Um, yeah, I think it's just another good example of that. Like um, as Shopify kind of increases the surface area of like integration opportunity that lets us build more embedded, more interesting experiences, but those experiences are inherently harder to build because there's just there's more to build, right? And it's, um, and I'm not a developer, right? So like, I don't know how much work any of this actually is. Um, people smarter than me take care of that, but. Well, you're still in the game. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, I'm still in the game. You're still in the game. Tidio's still in the game. Justuno's still in the game. I think that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is like time in the game. Um, just living to fight another day. I think of it like there's like the common investing advice, right? It's not timing the market, it's time in the market. And I think like that is like so much of life is like if you just play the game such that you can keep playing eventually you will win um it's just important to not die and i think uh i think me and you and our companies have both probably done a pretty good job of not dying and so that is something to celebrate and probably bodes well for our futures well i think you know in you know 10 years working together we've this last 10 years has been a fascinating time for a lot of people and you know we we got to remember that the e-commerce world is still new yeah yeah you know, there's oh, still it's... so much opportunity out there there's and so much so much <laughs> so much kind of cool too is you know being 10 years in looking around you're we're starting to see a lot of the people we grew up with the last 10 years yeah. you know, where they are how many people have their own companies like dob has Tolstoy. yeah you know it's like very it's, cool company. It's so cool to see. It's also awesome to see like Toby and Harley are still driving. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Well, that's it. I think like uh I think that's something that Toby talked about in this AMS. I think it was just like really interesting, right? Is like um the one of the really great benefits to being a like founder-led company in these later stages is that like founder-led companies typically have the ability to like pivot very quickly. Right. Like you see this even with like the Zuck over at Meta, right? Like he's able to, I mean, for better or worse, he's able to plow billions and billions of billions of dollars into VR and then flick a switch and pivot to AI when that's the next hot thing. Right. And I think like, um, saw this with crypto, right? I think like a lot of founder led companies very dumbly leaned into crypto too hard. Um, you know, I think it can be good and it can be bad, but yeah, no, really, really awesome to see like Toby still steering the ship there. Um, and Harley, I mean, Harley was my first kind of sort of real boss at Shopify. So I'll always have a, always have a special spot for him. Well, seeing him out on the road so much right now, yeah, working with retailers, like going yeah. to them. Yeah. That's 
he's kind of inspired me also why I do the podcast to try to get connected yeah really understand what what retailers are going through yeah no for sure I think that like um to or Harley rather is probably one of the all-time greatest like storytellers and hype men (laughs) for companies right like I think that like almost any company would feel very very fortunate to have anybody even remotely like Harley in that position um yeah watching him watching him do the roadshow stuff and being in front of people is definitely like very special well we've gone over time but of course we have you're a special guest Blair <laughs> I appreciate um, it well who knows if anyone's still listening who knows we'll see <laughs> yeah we were kind of a little bit all over the place there I hope I hope there was some nuggets here. I mean, I didn't even ask you whether whether most people listening to this were app developers or brands. Um, probably a bit of both, I imagine. Well, we're we're like year 2013 with the podcast, so I don't have those demographic data. I love it completely. Who needs data? Uh, yeah, who needs data? Um, what I can tell you is that a lot of people are still trying to navigate the Shopify ecosystem. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even just, it's so good to talk about this stuff. It, you know, I'm inspired is I need to, I need to get, I need to start sitting in on this partner summit things. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's something that I think is like, I mean, I've thought about this from like a content production standpoint is like, my question of like, is this like, is the audience was mostly brands or mostly partners, I think is like a valid question for like content strategy at large. But I think one of the things that I have noticed and appreciated over the years is like um, a lot of, a lot of the merchants on Shopify who are very, they're very into Shopify as a platform and they actually, they care a lot about a lot of the partner facing content. They want to know, what's coming down the pipe. They want to know how apps are thinking, um, what apps are building. I think there's this like, we used to talk about sort of like 360 partners at Shopify, like partners that do a bit of everything and care about everything. And I think there's this like concept of like a 360, 360 merchant too, right? Who like, they are like super interested in their tech stack and they are always trying the newest tools. And so I think there is like a substantial amount of overlap. Um, and what sort of content is interesting to those two groups. And so I hope there was something here helpful for whoever was listening. Um, and you can send your feedback to my Twitter DMs. If you hate anything I said, oh. I don't check them, but no, I do. I'll read it all. Blair, what is your your X handle? <laughs> my X handle is just uh, Blair Beckwith. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this. Me and Eric didn't talk about it, but uh, you like. if you are interested in Tidio, go check out tidio.com slash friends. That's it. Um, you can plug all day long. Anything <laughs> that Blair is involved with is probably something awesome. I appreciate um, it, Eric. So please it. check it out. Uh, more coming down the pipe here at the Conversion Show. So definitely subscribe as well. And let's thank Blair for today. Hope everyone enjoyed and take care. Thanks, Eric. Cheers.